Hello everyone. Falcha, welcome to the Incomparable History of Ireland podcast. This show is to share the richness of this ancient island. It's Misha Lauren. I am Lauren, your host on this journey through the stories of this Emerald Isle. I represent the Clan Nagel of Delaware, an Irish society for the education of Irish language, history, and culture. This episode also comes from the mythical cycle, the first cycle of Irish mythology, and it's going to cover Balor and his daughter, Anna, her son, Lou, and then we're going to talk about one of the stories that come out of this uh, cycle called the Manor of Terra and how it was settled. Balor was a powerful leader of the Fomorians. He lived in a shining tower of glass on an island located off of the coast of Ireland. His story begins in Irish mythology when he was a boy misbehaving. One day, a young baller, he was spying on his father's druids as they were around a cauldron formulating a spell of death. Balor should not have been spying on them, and the fumes from the cauldron entered one of Balor's eyes. This gave that eye the power of death. The power of death in one eye was not a power that made him well-loved and accepted in the community. Hence, his eyelid became so heavy from having it closed all the time, it took ten men to open it. However, Baller's eye provided a powerful tool to the Fomorians in battle, as it had the power to kill uh, anybody that it looked at. He became the most powerful leader of the Fomorians in his day. The older generation of Irish in Kong County Mayo have said that the rocks there are men who were petrified by the glance of Baylor's eye. On the same day when Baylor's eye was given the power of death, one of the druids prophesied that he would be killed at the hands of his own grandson. So when he became an adult, married and had a child, to prevent this prophecy from coming true, he imprisoned his beautiful daughter in a tower next to his, and as beautiful as his, and gave the order that no man's name must ever be mentioned in her presence. He loved his daughter very much, and she him, but their sad destiny was already prophesied. Even though Baller took all these steps to prevent her from ever hearing or seeing a man, it was himself who caused his daughter, Aina, to meet the man of her dreams. Baylor had a great many possessions and many wonderful animals of his own, but his greedy heart, he coveted the marvelous cow, Glass Hovna, who was owned by Kian of the Tour de Donna. Baylor stole that cow one day from Kian by disguising himself. Aina grew to be a beautiful woman, and although she was a prisoner, she was treated with a lot of kindness and care. The 12 women that took care of her and kept her company taught her skills, but Aina spent long, lonely hours looking out her window to the sea. 
Each night she saw a face in her dreams that she did not know or have ever seen in her imprisoned life. One night, two women screamed at the foot of the door of the tower for help. They said that one was a queen of the Tuatadana who was escaping from a terrible enemy. Aina's protectors took pity on the women and let them in. But one of these women was a druid called Berog, who cast a spell and sent all 12 women to sleep. Then Berog lifted a spell from the woman who accompanied her, revealing Kian, a man of the Tuatadana, who's looking for his valuable cow. The cow, stolen by Baylor. Kian climbed the top of the tower and found Aina staring out at sea. He thought she was the most beautiful woman he had ever seen. Immediately, Aina recognized Kian from, as the man from her dreams, and they fell in love immediately. They made love to each other, and Kian wanted to take Ia with him, but Berog did not have the magical powers uh, to help them do that. She was afraid of Balor, and she swept up Kian in a spell that brought him back to Ireland. Ina later had three boys, and Baylor ordered all of them to be killed. Ignoring the cries of his distraught daughter, all three were cast to the waves and all believed them to be drowned. However, Berog, who had woven a magic spell to bring Kian and Ina together, cast another spell. That spell brought Lu from the sea into the arms of his father, Kian. Lu was fostered by Tilchu, the daughter of the king of the Great Plains. He was taught all the arts, and his skills were so great, with a sword, and his reach so long and accurate, he re- uh, acquired the name Lu of the Long Arm. One day when Lu had grown, at the time when King Nuda had been restored to his throne. Remember, he's the one the arm got cut off, got a silver arm. They beat the Fomorians. He gets his arm, grows back. He's now king again, remember, second time. So he arrives at the door to the king's fort. He asks the doorkeeper to tell the king that he wants to join his household. The doorkeeper told Lou that no one could join the king's household without a special skill. Lou said, I am a builder. Well, we already have a builder, said the doorkeeper. I am a smith, a champion, a harper, a warrior, a poet, a magician, a physician, a cupbearer, and a brazier, said Lou. And he goes, but we already have someone who possesses each of those skills you mentioned. Then, do you have somebody who is skilled in all of these things together, said Lou? And indeed, there was no one, so Lou was admitted to the king's household. Before the second battle of Motora, remember the first battle was the Tuatadana Fomorians, and then there was the second battle. Nua gave Lou charge over his army. Lou identified the special skills of all the leaders of the troops before going into battle. At the battle, the second battle of Mutora, 
Lou killed his grandfather, Balor. Balor had lifted his eye with the intention of poisoning all that it would behold. Lou slew his grandfather with his slingshot that he aimed into the evil eye. Lou became the new king of the Tuatadana. Remember when Bress was the king? Well, Lou spares Bress's life, who had con- connived against the Tuatadana in exchange for agriculture advice. In Irish mythology, Lou is a sun god, and most texts associate him with art and craftsmanship, weaponry, law, and truth. Lou was also the first chief omen of Ireland. This is a historic title reflecting his skill as a poet, judge, and ruler. Following Lou's death, the role became a rank position in each of the Irish courts. While every kingdom had an olam that served the chief or king, each high king of Ireland had their own chief omen. As a son of both the Tuatadana and the Fomorians, Lou had a unique heritage. Such a background assisted him in inventing number of notable Irish games, including horse racing, sports, and Fithill, the Irish precursor to chess. In today's Irish language, the word for the month of August is Lunasa, and there's a festival in August called Lunasa. Lou established Lunasa Festival as a funeral feast and a game commemorating his foster mother, Tilchu. She died on August 1st of exhaustion after clearing the plains of Brega for farming. The ancient kingdom of Brega was bounded on the south by the River Liffey and extended northwards across the Boyne Valley. The first Telltown game were held where Tilchu was buried on the bank of the River Blackwater before it joined the River Boyne. Folklorist Mary McNeil extensively studied the later folklore and tradition of Lunasa. She concludes that the main theme is a struggle for harvest between two gods. One god, usually called Chrome Doof, um, Doof being black, dark, in later folklore, guards the grain as his personal treasure. The other god, Lu, must seize it for mankind. Lou also fights and defeats a figure representing blight, McNeil says, in uh, themes that can be seen earlier in Irish mythology. The second story from the mythological cycle today is the uh, Manor of Terra. The High King of Terra had to throw a feast every three years for all the people of Ireland. This feast was elaborate and would span seven days and nights. One high king, Dermot, son of Carabal, didn't have what it would take to cover the expenses of this feast, and he looked out at the great plains of Terra with seven views on every side, and he thought he might cultivate some of it, um, make a good, it's good green land, and make money to offset the cost of the feast. All of Ireland began to arrive for the great feast in Terra. Kings and queens, male and female chieftains, young adults, people of all classes and degrees. Everyone was getting seated according to their station in society. 
the king and their highest ranking bard sat with the high king. The warrior and fighting men all sat together. The youth and maidens and others were put in the chambers around the doors. And everyone was given their proper portion of the feast. And though the best and the finest fruit and oxen and boar went to the king's table his seated, and his seated guests, nobody at all would go hungry. As the guests were seated, the high king Dermot mentioned that he was considering reappointing the manor of Terra, using the land to raise money. Well, everybody said they would not eat a bite until such an important matter was decided. But Dermot was uneasy making such a huge decision on his own. So he sent for his wisest man, and that was Fikra, son of the embroideredness, who was St. Patrick's successor in Ireland. But when the question was put to Fikra, he refused to answer it. He said, there is another man wiser and older than myself, he said, and that is Kefalid, who got a wound to the head in the Battle of Moirath, that took the brain of forgetfulness out of his head, so he remembers everything and cannot forget anything. But he too refused to answer the question of what to do with the manner of terror. He said they must ask five seniors, the oldest and wisest people in Ireland. But when the five elders arrived, they wouldn't partition Terra and its manner unless their senior said it was all right. At this point, Dermot's getting pretty frustrated and the feast was growing cold. So he sent at once for a man named by the five seniors of Ireland. Guess who that guy is? You guys are going to remember him from episode one, Finton. Finton, he had lived so long that his legend had grown and fallen again into obscurity until only the oldest and wisest people had ever heard of him. Fenton had his home in County Kerry at the time, and the people of Terra had to wait until he was sent for and brought before them. Fenton was given a great welcome in the banquet house, and everyone was keen to hear his words and his stories. They knew this was a rare thing to have such a sage in their presence. They asked him to sit in the judge's seat, but Fenton refused until he knew what the question they had to put to him. He said they shouldn't make a fuss over him because he knew he, had, he was welcome anywhere in Ireland. Ireland was his foster mother, and Tara was the knee that he rested on. And Ireland had sustained him throughout all the long years of his life, from the time of the flood until this time. He told them of all the invasions of Ireland, an eyewitness account of their ancient history, and told them how St. Patrick had come to Ireland, fit and converted to the faith of the king of the cloudy heaven. Someone in the crowd wanted to know how Fitton memory might be, since he had lived for so long, and it might be starting to go. Well, said Fitton, one day I was walking in the woods of Westminster, and I picked up a berry from a yew tree. He told them when he planted the berry, and described how it grew into a magnificent tree. And when the yew tree died of old age, he cut it down and made it into churns and pitchers and used wooden tools. And those vessels served him well until they became decayed. So he cut out the bad wood and salvaged the good 
and made new vessels. But from every churn he got only a pitcher, and from every barrel not more than a plank. And where are those pitchers that I remade, said Fenton? Gone to dust now, on the account of their great age. Dermot was very impressed with Fenton's great age and great wisdom, and explained to Fenton that he thought the manner of terror was going to waste, and he thought it would be best to partition it and use it for something profitable. He asked Fenton if he had knowledge from history that would help him in setting the manner of terror. Fenton said that he had, and he told them this story. Once, long, long ago, we were holding a great assembly of the men of Ireland. The king at the time was Connick Bacallach. On a day in that assembly, we saw a great hero coming towards us from the west. He was huge. The top of his shoulders were as high as the wood, and you could see the sun and the sky between his legs. He was handsome as well as tall, and he wore a shining crystal veil around him as if it were linen, and he had sandals on his feet. And even I don't know what wonderful material they were made of. His hair was golden and fell into curls to the level of his thighs. And in his left hand, he was carrying a stone tablet. And in his right hand, he was carrying a branch with three fruits on it, nuts, apples, and acorns. He strode past us and around the assembly with its great branch of wood. And someone called out to him to come and speak with the king. The king, he said then, what do you desire of me? To know where you come from and where you are going and to know your name. The giant said, I come from the setting sun and I am going into the rising sun. And my name is Triak. And what has brought you here today, if you were at the day's rising? A man who has been tortured said he, a man in Palestine who has been tortured today and crucified to death, and the sun could not bear to look down on them. So I came to find out what ailed the sun. And then he asked us, what is your race? He asked, and whence have you come to this island? From the children of Mill, of Spain, and from the Greek, are the people I sprung, he said, and I told him of all the comings of people to Ireland and the history of the son of Mill before they came to Spain. The same story I told you. What land is Spain, said Trilog? You can just about see it in the distance in the south, for our people came here when Ith, the son of Berg, saw the mountains of Ireland from the top of a tower in Spain, and following him the sons of Mill came. And how many of you are here on this island? Trelog said. I would like to see you assemble in one place. The king said he'd assemble all the people of Ireland so that this giant could see what he wanted, but he thought it would distress the people to feed such a great man as this giant. But the giant assured him that the branch in his hands would serve him for food and drink as long as he lived. So the 40 days and nights that the giant stayed with us until all men of Ireland were assembled for him at Terra. And when he saw them all in one place, he asked them to chronicle the men of Ireland in the royal house of Terra. But the people replied that they had no real storytellers to entrust the chronicles to. Then the giant said he would establish the progression of stories of the chronicle of the hearth of Terra, 
with four quarters of Ireland all about, because he was a, the most learned witness among them, and he asked them to bring to Tara from each quarter the seven wisest, most prudent, most cunning people and Shaughnessy's to present the four quarters of Ireland, and so that each of the seven could take their share of the chronicles of Hearth of Tara back to his home province. He took those Shaughnessy's aside and told them the chronicles of every part of Ireland, and then he took the king aside to tell him how they partitioned Ireland. And the giant asked me, Fenton, to explain the partitioning of Ireland since I was the oldest one in the assembly. I told him that Ireland was divided into five providence. Knowledge in the west, battle in the north, prosperity in the east, music in the south, and kingship in the center. True indeed, said the giant. That is how it is, and I will be forever. And he told us where to fix borders of all the provinces and all the attributes of the different provinces and mark the borders of the manor of Terra. And then the giant gave some berries, nuts, and acorns from his branch to me and told me to plant in places I thought they would grow best in Ireland. Great trees sprang from each of these berries, and I watched them all grow from saplings, and I watched them all wither and die with age in the end. After this great story, Finton sang of his great age and his duty as a Shaughnessy to bring the clear testimony to the son of Mill, sons of Mill. He went on telling stories of Ireland to men of Ireland, and they sat up and listened with wide and wondering eyes right up until his summoning by Dermot that very day. And Finton's judgment was, let it be as we have found it, and not go against the arrangement of the giant Tirla, because he was either an angel of God or he was God himself. Then the nobles of Ireland came with Finton and Ishka, and they took leave of each other from the top of Ishka. And Finton set up a pillar stone with five ridges on the summit of Ishka, and assigned a ridge of it to every province in Ireland, showing that Tara and Ishka are in Ireland as two kidneys are in an animal. And he marked out the portions of each province and arranged the pillar stone. And that is the story of the settling of the Manor of Terror. Kuramargiv, thank you. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Incomparable History of Ireland. Please leave me some feedback. And if you'd like to visit our Facebook page, Clan Miguel, Delaware, I'd love to see you there. My next episode will continue the mythological cycle. Slana Gif. Gudi Unhaid Ur Ella. Goodbye, everyone. Till next time. <laughs>